James chapter 4 this morning. Well, I trust you're glad to be here this morning. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord for Sunday school, and I trust the Lord will bless this morning. And uh, if you're visiting with us, I do trust that you'll come back at another time when our pastor's here. I know he'd love to get to meet you and, and visit with you, and, uh, <clears throat> but for now, you're stuck with me, and so uh, we're going to be in the book of James, chapter 4, this morning. And uh, James really deals with some moral depravity here uh, in these passages, in these chapters of, the, of this book. And, and uh, one aspect of this moral depravity, if you will, is an omission of God in our plans. And uh, it's not wrong to make plans uh, if those plans are in the light of the Word of God and in His direction. And uh, we may not think that the lack of including God in our plans is a big deal, but James in this passage uh, is dealing with many issues of our depraved nature, and one of them is neglecting to include God in our plans. And so we're going to kind of talk about that this morning a little bit, and, and so uh, let's read in, in verse 13 down through the end of the chapter, and then we'll look at a few things that God has for us this morning. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. And buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather here this morning. And I pray that for your blessing upon the Word of God as it's preached this morning. I pray that you would, uh, Lord, give it power. I pray that it would have free course to work in hearts and lives this morning. And I pray that you would be glorified and preeminent in all of it. And we ask that you would just meet with us and do a work in our midst. We thank you for our pastor and his labors. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity he has to be there at the funeral this week, and we just ask, Lord, that you'd bless it. Lord, that souls would be saved, Lord, and the hearts of the family would be comforted. And Father, we just pray you'd have your will and way done there and here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have plans for next year? Uh, No doubt you had plans for 2020 that were interrupted. And I know I did. Um, I know that uh, the Air Force gave me some plans and then they change those plans, as they often do. And, you know, you kind of you wonder what's going on there. But um, <clears throat> James deals with some things here. And, and uh, oftentimes I think we don't really consider God like we ought to when it comes to our plans and our endeavors and, and what we're setting out to do. Uh, most would uh, not likely agree that neglecting to consider God in their plans is a wicked thing. However... Uh, we serve a jealous God. We serve a jealous God. Verse 5, if you want to look at that, we didn't read it as part of our text, but I want to highlight something uh, out of there. It says, Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? And I found this interesting thought by uh, Foy Valentine, and he states this, The Spirit that indwells us yearns tenderly over us, longing to make us wholly His, and rejecting any and all divided allegiance. God is a jealous God, 
in the sense that he can brook no rivals, tolerate no unfaithfulness, and permit no polytheism. We serve a jealous God. A God that is interested in our plans and a God that desires to uh, be our plan, if you will. Not just part of our plan, but to be our plan. And in all of our endeavors ought to be uh, with the Lord's leading and His guiding. And, uh, but I'm afraid that we're guilty of not doing that. And the apostle, or excuse me, James here deals with uh, this. And, and he says, go to now. Uh, this is a phrase designed to arrest their attention. Uh, it is there uh, where something that demanded their notice. He's trying to get their attention. There's some folks here that, that I guess are off track, if you will. And so he says, go to now. And, and uh, this is probably especially so in this case uh, with the implied thought that, uh, to which the attention is called is wrong. And so he's trying to get their attention and, and to show them uh, maybe a better way, if you will. Uh, they have erred. And so this morning, is it wrong to make plans? I don't believe it is. Uh, there is nothing sinful in making plans. Uh, plans are not wrong. Uh, we need to plan. Uh, we really ought to plan. Uh, life is short and the scriptures encourage us to plan. Uh, James is not condemning the act of planning uh, here uh, but I'll show you a few verses and that will highlight that idea. But Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6 and 8, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide or overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Proverbs 21.5, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteous, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. 24 and 27 says this, Prepare the, thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. Be thou, this is 27, 23, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. And Luke 14, 28 says this, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it. And so, uh, the idea here is not that planning is wrong per se, but rather ne the neglecting of God in your planning. Uh, the neglecting of God and, and uh, having His guidance and His leadership in all that you do is so important. And too often we plan presumptuously. I think we get and, and we make some assumptions and we get presumptuous about God doing some things for us on our behalf because we're just doing our plan. We're executing what we thought was right. And we're executing what is not necessarily wrong, but it is right. And look at what verse 13 says. Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year. And buy and sell and get gain. Listen, we assume that we have the rest of today. We are not guaranteed the rest of this day that we have right now. Uh, those folks that are in this auditorium this morning, in this sanctuary here we are not guaranteed that we're going to make it home for our afternoon nap and that afternoon crockpot lunch. Uh, but oftentimes we assume, I not, you know, uh, Cindy, I'm pretty sure she planned and we'll have some lunch today and I'll be thankful for that. But, but listen, we need to be careful in our planning. Listen, we're not sure of today, let alone tomorrow. It, not even considering next year. Uh, but many of us have made plans for the new year already. And those things, as I said, aren't necessarily wrong. 
And I know most of us probably want to be done with 2020. Uh, but I'm here to tell you this morning, just because 2021 hits the calendar doesn't mean all these things are going to go away. COVID will be here. Uh, the racial unrest in our nation will be here. All those things are going to be here. And so sometimes we get this uh, weird, glamorous idea that we're going to have New Year's resolutions and everything's going to be happy and hunky-dory. That's not reality. And I'm not saying don't plan. I'm not saying don't set some goals for next year. That's not what I'm saying at all. But listen, we need to include God in all of that. Uh, listen, oftentimes we get us presumptuous. Listen, these folks here assumed they were going to get gain. They had this plan. They're going to go. Uh, they're going to buy and they're going to sell and they're going to be fruitful. They just made the assumption that God was going to prosper what they intended to do. And I believe that we do that often ourselves. James deals here with uh, <clears throat> not the fact that they're making plans and the fact that these plans are uh, bad plans and they're assuming some things about those plans, but he's dealing with their heart. This arrogant planning is what James is warning against. This arrogant planning. Look at verse 16. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Boy, he calls this evil. These Christians were arrogant in their hearts. And I, and I call them Christians because if you want to go back to James chapter 1 and look at verse 2. Excuse me, he says, my brethren. And so he's speaking to the Christians and, and to those people. And look what he says. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Listen, things are going to get challenging at times. We need to be joyful in it. But, but listen, these folks had become arrogant in their planning. And the idea here, but uh, now ye rejoice in your boastings, all sorts of rejoicing is evil. Uh, they were arrogant in their hearts. Rejoice here has the idea to vaunt or to boast or to glory in these things. And then the, that word boastings, uh, if you look at it in its root form, it's braggadocio. They're bragging about these things. They're self-confident. There's pride in this. So we got these plans and we're rejoicing in these things that we want to... Look, have you ever had a good plan? I've had some good plans that turned out not to be so good. But, but listen, we can have some good plans and we can get lifted up and think, this is going to be a great idea. God calls it evil if He's not in it. We could ride up and, and, and have the best plan that you could come up with on paper. And if God's not in it, it's evil. It says all such rejoicing is evil. Uh, they were just being arrogant and self-confident. The heart attitude of the individual here is wrong. It's a heart issue. Their attitude is wrong. It's not the fact that they're making these plans. It's the fact that they're not looking to God in their plan. Uh, they must be reminded. Look at verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And so the apostle or James here is reminding them about the brevity of life and how short it is. And I remember as a young person thinking, I cannot wait to be 16. I want to drive an automobile. So at 15 and a half, I was first day after 15 and a half. Dad, it's time to go to the Department of Licensing. I'm getting my permit and and uh, those things. And, and then it's like, boy, I want to be 18, you know, be an adult. And, and then it was, I remember the goal of being 25, so my car insurance would go down. And, 
And uh, listen, but when I look back, those things are, it happened in the blink of an eye. 39 years old now, and I look back at my life and go, wow, where did it go? Brother First can even say that, and he's lived a lot longer. Listen, our life is short. It's short. Sometimes when we get in the trouble, sometimes and we're, we're, we're in the challenge or the trial or the tribulation, it doesn't seem short. Uh, but life is short. And so the, 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 James reminds these Christians, hey, life is short. Uh, it's like a vapor that appears for a little while uh, and then vanishes away. Listen, we don't have tomorrow, let alone the coming year. Proverbs 27.1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Boy, maybe tomorrow will be more trouble. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, the word of God tells us, right? Let's, let's, let's establish and focus on the things that we need to today and make sure we have the right perspective today. And, and that will affect our plans. Um, I trust you'll see that as we move through this. Uh, we don't even know what the remainder of today holds. Brother Foley and I were out hunting a couple weeks ago, and um, we were out in the prairie. I've never hunted prairie until this year. I don't recommend it, especially if you're looking for a whitetail. There's a lot of mule deer, but I did not see. We saw one whitetail, uh, and it was running across, and it was unshootable. And uh, maybe I should have shot now in hindsight. But uh, the only other whitetail I saw were on private land. And so I think they're smarter than I am. But anyway, so we're out there hunting and, and uh, <clears throat> we're kind of looking over this ravine or valley area. And, and uh, all of a sudden the sky just kind of turned gray. And, and it was like this cold front. Was, you could just see the weather coming. And before we knew it, we were surrounded by fog. And there was just a mist everywhere. And I, I was thinking when the, I first saw this coming in, I was going to, well, we're going to have to pack it up. You know, it, it was bad enough to where you almost couldn't really see to shoot. Uh, definitely you couldn't see, you know, 200 yards out or something if you had a longer shot. And, and so I was like, boy, we're going to have to call this. This ain't good. And, and so we started hiking around a little bit into a different area. And before we knew it, the sun was out and boom, that fog was gone. And we spent the entire day there hunting. I thought we were going to have to cut it short. And listen, that's our life. It comes in and, and it's there and it's, it's so real at the time, but then it's gone. And we don't know. I, I expected that fog to settle in for the rest of the day. But it settled in for maybe an hour. Your life is short. Luke chapter 12, this is one of the most challenging verses of Scripture. I remember reading it as a young person. You can turn there if you'd like. Luke chapter 12, verse 16, down through 21. Uh, this was a challenge to my heart. I can, I can see it in my mind's eye the first time I ever read this passage. And it says, He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself. That's a key right here. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Look at verse 20. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided 
So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. And I believe James is, is getting at the heart of the same thing our Savior was there in, in chapter Luke with that parable. Is these folks, they have all these plans and they have all these things that they want to accomplish. And they're out to get gain. And they have neglected to include God in any of it. There is no mention of God in that chapter in Luke. And in the, in the same here in James. Just about them going and them doing things and them buying and selling and they're going to get gain. Uh, <clears throat> like the rich man, we can plan and prepare seemingly successfully. But not be ready to meet the master. We can get a plan going. We can get doing all the right things. And we can get prosperous. And we can look from the outward appearance that we're being successful. And God's blessing us. And, and listen, that's what we think when we look at people that are doing well financially. Oh, God must be blessing them. They're doing great things. And, 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 and God's really behind them in, in, in that. But you don't know the inside matter that that person's doing it for selfish, self-confident, prideful, ungodly reasons. And one day he's going to meet his master. And it could be that day, that very day, like we saw in Luke. Listen, uh, the matter is not that we can't make plans. It's that we need to make godly plans. What do I mean by that? James provides the solution here to their problem. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live. You should underline that in your Bible there. We shall live. It, listen, it's up to God whether we live or not. Sometimes we just make the assumption we're going to have life and the ability to do all these things. Uh, but we ought to say that if the Lord will, we shall live. We, even our life is in His hands, let alone doing this or that. We need God-directed or God-led plans in our life. We don't just need plans. We need God's plans. Uh, now this is not a superficial outward response. And, and uh, when James is giving them direction on what they should do, he's not just saying that you should use the old cliche, Lord willing. Listen, we say that here at the church house. I'll see you Wednesday night, Lord willing. Listen, oftentimes that may be sincere, but I'm afraid sometimes it's not. It's just the right verbiage to use in the house of God. Do you use that same verbiage with your boss at work and your coworkers at work and your subordinates at work? Lord willing, we're going to accomplish this as an organization, or Lord willing, we're going to do these things. Uh, that will really be a, a better test of your sincerity on whether it's God in your plans or not, yeah. is if you're willing to do that around those that, that aren't in the church house. We need God's plans. We need His direction, not just some superficial saying the right things at the right time. <clears throat> it's a heart matter. The idea here is, if the Lord or the Master allows me to remain alive, we may do this or that. Is that your true heart's desire? Is that if the Lord really wills, if the Lord will allow this, I'm going to do that? Or is it you're puffed up in your own confidence knowing that you have this great plan? Hebrews 6.3, uh, we find a statement there that I think is appropriate here. It says this in that verse, and this will we do if God permit. We ought to acknowledge God in all of our plans. He ought to be preeminent in our plans. 
And really, he ought to be our plan. We need with a humble heart to look to God for guidance and direction in all matters of this life. With a humble heart. Proverbs 19.21, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Listen, we can have all these ideas, we can have all these you know, ways forward, but we need the counsel of the Lord. We need God's direction. God's Word and His Holy Spirit's direction will never fail or lead us astray. I've made some plans in my life that weren't the best plan. If I would have included God in those plans, I probably wouldn't have done those things, but, or they would have been more profitable if I would have had God there. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. God's Word and His Holy Spirit direction will never fail or lead us astray. If we in humility, with a perfect heart, look to God, He will direct our ways. If you want to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, we're going to look at a few verses in there. And uh, verse 9, I, I believe, is a, is a well-known uh, scripture verse that a lot of you will be familiar with this morning. And it says this in verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. This is verse 9 in, in 2 Chronicles 16, if I didn't mention that earlier. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. And so we know that this is the, the Lord speaking to Asa and uh, the kingdom of Israel had, had uh, set up against them in Ramah and they were building and they were going to go to battle with them. And look at what verse 7 says. And at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Assyria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore he is the host of the king of uh, Syria escaped out of thine hand. And so we see that uh, Asa made this plan. He made this league with Benadad rather than seeking God in his plans. God is there waiting and ready. He's looking to go throughout the entire earth, looking for somebody to show himself strong on their behalf. And God was willing to do that in, in Asa's life, but he neglected to look to God. He came up with his own plan. He made a league with another king. And he had this plan. And, and listen, in that verse 9, it says there were wars for the rest of his time. God said, all right, you want to try to do this without me? In this battle, I'm going to give you a bunch more. Let's see how you do then. Listen this morning. It's about our heart. God's looking for somebody that, that has a perfect heart uh, that, that, that will turn to Him. And I'm going to tell you this morning, we can do right without being right with God. It's possible. We can follow biblical principles without having our heart right toward God. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 25 in verse 2 says this, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Amaziah there, he was doing the right things outwardly, but his heart wasn't there. That's, I believe, what James is getting at. You can come up with all these plans and all these schemes, and they could be biblically sound. But if you haven't sought God in that matter, it's evil. You're relying on yourself. You're relying on your plan and not the Lord. James is no doubt dealing with a heart matter here. 
This morning, Christian, is your heart where it ought to be? I can't answer that question for you. Each one individually must answer that for themselves. Or are you just wanting God to bless your plans and life according to what you want? I'm afraid in our churches today, that's where we're at. We have these plans, we have these things that we want to see accomplished, and we're just looking to God, hey, God, bless this. Here's my plan, I need you to do do a work for me in this area. God is looking for those who want to seek Him sincerely and live a life for Him. God wants to bless, but He doesn't want to bless your plan. And I'm afraid in our churches today, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for God to bless our plans rather than people who are seeking God and accepting what His plan is for them. Are you truly seeking God in your plans and in your manner of life and in the things that you do? And, and uh, <clears throat> I appreciate Brett Foley. He's, he's a blessing in many ways to our church and, and uh, the things that he does for our young men. He's a great example for them. And, and, uh, but I was kind of convicted. We would go hunting. We've went a couple times recently, and, and we were looking at the map and all these different walking areas, and, and I, I don't know. South Dakota is so complicated when you look at the hunting atlas and stuff, and there's this color and that color, and what can you do on what day? And, and uh, so we, we kind of zoned in on a few areas, and he said, we just, I hope you're praying about where we want to go to hunt. And I pray that God would give me a harvest. Help me harvest the deer, Lord. But Brett was praying that God would lead us to the right area. He wanted God's blessing on the endeavor in a different way than I did. I was going to go out and do some stuff and expecting God to give me something. But he was seeking God in when and where to go. And what a great example about something that's really for me, for the most part, is recreational. Um, we're thankful for the meat that's put in the freezer over the years and things like that. But, but listen, uh, to have the example of a man that's seeking God in the recreation in his life. What a great example. Uh, listen, and again, that's recreation. What about the important things of life? Where to live? What church to go to? What job to have? We can go on and on and all those things that we come up with these plans or these schemes to live our lives. But have you included God in any of it? Have you sought God's will in any of that? Uh, listen, we need to do it right. And we need to do it now. Verse 17 says, there to, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We often look at sin as those things explicitly forbidden by Scripture or maybe those sins of omission and there's some certain things. but And we get good at sprucing up the outward, but neglect the heart. We get good at looking like we're in the will of God and looking like we're fulfilling God's plan for our lives. Uh, but really our heart is not there. In Matthew chapter 23, we see Jesus rebuking the Pharisees for such behavior. Uh, Matthew 23, 28 says this, Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. But within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Listen, we can get a plan in motion. We can begin doing things that from the outward looks good. 
boy, and, and maybe we're successful at what we're doing. And maybe we're accomplishing some things that from the outward man's perspective, God is blessing our life. But inside, we're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And it talks about the whited sepulcher and inside are dead bones. Listen, God doesn't care what your plans are. God wants your heart. God wants you to seek Him. And and we didn't spend the time to read those verses, but if you look over in in verse 8, it says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. God wants to be there. He desires to walk with you, but there are some prerequisites. You've got to cleanse your hands. You've got to purify your hearts. We can't have any duplicity in the Christian life. No double agents serving Christ. Because God's more concerned with your heart. Are you submitted to God? Are you resisting the devil, drawing nigh to him, cleansing your hands and purifying your heart? All your plans should include God. Following his word and leading and the leading of the Holy Spirit, that is good. If you're not doing that, this passage tells us that it's sin. That if you're not seeking God and, and putting God first in those things, it's sin. And I know we can get passionate, we can get really, really excited about some plans or ideas that we have. But if it's not what God wants and we're still selfishly or self-confidently or braggadocioly following those things, it's sin. Even if it looks successful. Are you willing to be a pauper and be pleasing to God and His plan for your life? Or are you just trying to get gain? Make a living. Look good. In society. If you don't want, uh, listen this morning, I don't want to oversimplify this, but it is pretty simple. It's not difficult. It would be good for you to get your heart right with God. Confess your arrogance and self confidence and begin seeking His direction for your plans. And I'm talking to church folks this morning. This was to the brethren, James wrote this. Ask God for those directions and listen, I think this is the key and be willing to allow Him to change the plan. Because it's a matter of your heart. Are you doing it out of pride or your, your desire to accomplish something for yourself? Are you truly seeking God in, you, in your life and the plans that He has for you? Christian, is God truly the master of your life? Or are you arrogantly going about your way? Just arrogantly, self-confidently, rejoicing and boasting in those things that you want to accomplish? Or are you truly trying to serve the Master? We kind of touched on that in Sunday school this morning. We're calling Him Lord, Lord, and doing not the things that He says. Oftentimes, I think we're guilty of that in the church house. Because we got gussied up and we looked apart. No one else can tell what's inside but we have dead bones and we're doing it for ill reasons. This morning I spoke primarily to Christians. But to those of you who are not certain of their, your salvation this morning, I remind you that life's a vapor and that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. The Word of God tells us that we've all sinned and there's, the wages of sin is death. 
There's a penalty for sin. and The Bible calls it the lake of fire or hell. But there is a gift of God. Eternal life through Christ and Christ alone. And you can turn to Him today. And so to the lost this morning, I'd ask you, what's your plans for eternity? Have you included God in that plan? Have you even thought about it? Christian, this morning, God wants to do great things on your behalf. You might accomplish some things that seem notable and are good and, and, and even seem right without Him. But think of what you could accomplish for God if you actually sought Him in His direction for those plans. He's running around this earth looking to and fro for somebody that will seek Him with a perfect heart. If you're not sure of your salvation this morning, you can come to Christ. We're going to have an altar call here this morning. If you don't know for sure that you're saved, you can come this morning and we can take the Word of God and show you how to be certain of your salvation. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for this day. Lord, I thank You for this message. Lord, I trust that it was a blessing and I pray, Lord, that You'd work in hearts. We ask for a Holy Spirit moving now. Father, we pray that you'd be glorified in it. And Lord, that men would be drawn to you and we'll give you the thanks for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.